That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Batman is a diamond. You can do anything to him, and he won't break. Frank Miller, New York Comic Con, 2015. This is Robo Rich, and you are now tuned in to Bat Force Radio. And go Bat Force Radio. Who we got in the building tonight? Diggity Wesson. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever wants to go I first. Know, no one Nobody ever wants ever to go wants first. To go. <laughs> I was just being polite like a Canadian and letting everyone else go. Yeah. That's what That's I was my shtick. Oh. You you got the barbecue sauce. Oh, okay. Diggity's baptism into the Dark Knight Returns. Your first experience in reading Frank Miller's masterpiece. How did it happen, Wes? Um, I actually got into reading it. Uh, well, let's see. It was... I probably had been into Batman about... Mm, I'd say like probably five years before I even actually got to read it because I got... I was more into Batman on uh, the animated series and stuff and then kind of got gradually into reading the books. So about four or five years in, uh, I kept hearing about it and uh, referenced that it was, you know, a must read. And uh, so I finally went in and got it. Uh, I remember coming back home and it was one of those books that was like, it was like nothing I'd ever read before, like kind of like how they broke down the panels and uh, it was like, how they had the news reports and stuff going on it. And it was just like, you got so much, uh, uh, caption and stuff like per page and everything. So it, it felt like it drew out the story a lot more and it kind of made it feel like a movie, uh, was how I got the feeling from it when I was reading it. And it was just one of those books that I remember, um, of a few that just couldn't put down, you know, like, uh, it was a very interesting, take had never been done with what would batman be like if he came back uh when he was older and had been retired and uh i've always been more of a fan like even when i was younger of a darker batman like uh a batman that's you know not lighthearted and 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 jokey and all that kind of stuff uh or corny i always liked the really dark batman and uh, i felt like frank miller really nailed uh how I feel Batman should be in the book, uh, kind of unforgiving and, uh, just really brutal with his methods. And, uh, mm. um, I just really loved it. I thought that, uh, he really got Batman, uh, in a way that some people don't, uh, and some of his, uh, even like how he references some like medical stuff or when he's fighting the mutant leader and, uh, uh, you know, that quote that he says to him about, you know, this isn't a, this is a, isn't a mud hole. It's a operating table and I'm the surgeon. Like that line was just like, holy shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like amazing. Yeah. I mean, since, since the time I read it, it, it instantly became a favorite of mine. And, uh, I mean, just love it. First read, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is the book that it's the godsend. It's the gift for 
people who really understand and love Batman because I think people who don't have a that much of an idea of Batman or might not be that well read in Batman come into the Dark Knight and it's a bit much for them. It's a bit uh, <clears throat> even abstract almost. Like why is Batman doing all of these things? And I feel like the people and who under- any any time we post pictures of it, you can see the the people who are mystified by it. All the people who say, "Oh, why is Batman so fat? Why does he have those short ears? Why is right. Robin a girl?" <laughs> right. You can pick yeah. out you can pick out all those people that. Uh, uh, that just aren't uh, up to speed. Right. Absolutely. Right. right. And just like I think what a lot of us said, it's almost like a coming of age type story because, you know, like you guys, I, I was reading the detective comics and the Batman before that, grew up on Norm Brayfogle's art, and this looked like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I had a lot of those same questions back then. And yeah, I imagine all these people that are just now getting into reading comics have a lot of questions and and they say the same things and i mean going back and reading it too another big thing that was for me you know being younger uh first getting to read this book was was like especially when you're a younger kid you know there's always those discussions about the uh the versus discussions you know who would win in this and that and yada yada and uh I felt like at that time, I had never read a book like I felt like Frank Miller kind of really went into this book and really delved in and explained like how smart Batman really is yeah. and uh, how strategical he really is. And, you know, as, as much as some people will never say that Batman can beat Superman and, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, be all butthurt about it or whatever. But, you know, in that book, like Miller really you know, it was like, I'm going to explain to you, I'm going to show you how he could do this and, mm-hmm. and, uh, how he's prepared, you know, millions of ways to do this. And it was just interesting seeing, uh, him like kind of put Batman into action, like in the perfect tactical plan to take down probably his greatest challenge he could ever have. And, uh, that's really awesome thing in this book too, for me. Yeah. I mean, you talk about his strategic planning and stuff like that. It wasn't like he just built that suit, the, the week before the fight, <laughs> right? You know, it, it really showed that you know he's he's been preparing for that, even though he he quit and had been gone for ten years. He had that suit and that tank and all that way beyond when this the story took place. Right, and it's like he, you know, that's Batman always preparing for the worst and uh, having a million scenarios worked out to where he can, you know overcome if need be yeah he he had that plan memorized 20 years or so before the uh the story takes place yeah and, there, and he probably had a go he probably had this oh, go through oh shit just sitting yeah. around yeah. sipping wine waiting to whoop that ass <laughs> <laughs> and and people always people always try to say oh well well he needed help from green arrow but oh yeah they have to remember <laughs> green arrow wanted to be involved so Batman gave him something that he could do, delivering the uh, the kryptonite. Exactly, and that's right. Batman's yeah. strat- strategic mind is his best weapon. That's how he beat Vader and Bat in the Sun. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, like you were saying, Robin, that that's I, you know, I hear that all the time. Oh, he he wouldn't have 
you know, beating without Oliver Queen's help. But it was like, you know, they explained pretty thoroughly in the book that Oliver really kind of hated Superman more than Batman did uh, and really wanted in on it. So what if he had Superman in a trunk filled with kryptonite? (laughs) (laughs) He'd be fucked. Yeah. (laughs) The trunk. Well, that's really what the medical bay in the Batmobile was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the, the trunk of kryptonite. Yeah. The, the trunk of justice. <laughs> the trunk of justice. Where, where he kept all the kryptonite and everything that he couldn't sneak in the house past Alfred. Force Radio. Okay, uh, Arkham Inmate 0801, uh, a.k.a. Wes, a.k.a. Diggity. <laughs> a.k.a. Wes McDuck. Is Trump Wes McDuck. I forgot Wes McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> Wes McDuck. <laughs> uh, Batman Villains. Uh... I'll just say it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all know me as the Trunklers. A.k.a. the Voice of God. <laughs> Residing from Chicago. Grandpa Batman from Dallas, Texas. Howdy. <laughs> Robin Cross from the land of hockey and apologies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, starting out. We're continuing with The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Starting with book three, Hunt the Dark Knight. Book starts out and... Uh, <laughs> this is awesome. This is This is one of the funniest parts of this book to me i think it's brilliant too just want to <laughs> it, it is i love it. it it also shows you know how batman is adaptable he plans all this shit out in his head and he's a master of disguise he is so we got big bitch bruno and, <laughs> and her two little minions in this drugstore holding up this dude well, Gramps, explain to... Bruno for people who may never have read this book. Okay, Bruno <laughs> also, which is Shane's Valentine, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is this super tall Nazi bitch with a flat top <laughs> that walks around with no shirt on and swastikas on her tits. Yeah, pretty much. I always see Brigitte Nielsen from Rocky Ford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, just really ugly. I, I wonder what inspired Frank Miller to draw this character and come I up. I think with. Frank was like, "Hmm, what will piss them off the most?" I really, do. <laughs> I really think that's what he was thinking. <laughs> I would love to have an action figure of this, but I don't think I could showcase it in my house. <laughs> yeah, I don't think DC will ever give us that. Oh. We can't even get drunk. a Joker, Batgirl cover. We're not going to get a Nazi tit. Oh my god! <laughs> or a statue. That would be so yeah. good. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Big bitch Bruno in the drugstore and her two minions holding up, you know, the drugstore. And you got this bag lady who's ugly as a witch, you know, complaining about the price of whatever she's buying. And then all hell breaks loose, and it turns out that it's actually Batman in this disguise. And here he goes running out the door in this bag lady suit trying to catch Bruno. Hilarious. Those big old boobs dancing around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's kicking ass and throwing batarangs in this stupid bag lady costume. What would what would like you to... name this character if you had to name this bag lady disguise? Martha Kent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I always liked how committed Batman is to to his roles and what he's saying. He doesn't say Seven Eleven sells this for two fifty. It's Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven. He got he got some acting lessons from Alfred. He's like, I gotta sell this shit. Can you take me higher? <laughs> Oh, oh, I forgot to tell you guys we were able to get Creed <laughs> on the show tonight. So. <laughs> oh, we got they, they Scott Stapp. Scott Stapp. Let's make our escape. So we got Bruno running out and down the alley. Carrie Kelly hits her in the head with a, a rock of some sort. A rock or a bean flip or something, you know, she... Nails her in the head, and which pisses off Batman because he wanted her to lay low. Yep. And we get this scene from behind where Bruno's chasing Carrie Kelly, and she doesn't know where he, she's at. And turns out she also has swastikas on her ass too. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, that's commitment. <laughs> this this is one scene that I like seeing played out in the animated adaptation. Uh, yeah. It just makes the scene uh, feel so expanded. It's great because you're seeing this overweight, haggard old homeless woman in this liquor store while it's getting robbed and then all of a sudden she's just busting out these raw fighting martial art techniques and kicking their asses and throwing <laughs> batarangs and all of a sudden you're like oh shit that's batman in disguise that's fucking yeah. badass bro. yeah you know like anyone who did who like for the first time reading or watching it and sees that you're like whoa <laughs> that's fucking crazy oh, who's getting in the m ms yeah Who's unwrapping the M&M's? Hey, guys, real quick. Carrie Kelly in the bottom of that page when she's uh, pulling back the slingshot. I just thought of this slingshot, the way her hair is styled. Dennis I mean, the Menace? Dennis the Menace, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, fuck. <laughs> I, I knew where you were going with that. Yeah. It's that Mitchell boy. So yeah, I, I, something else too I loved in this when he's like chasing her, which I'm sure you guys have touched on already in this. But I loved how too like how Miller wrote Batman in this book to where like every situation he goes into, I like how he's kind of like a warrior in the sense where he's always like evaluating what would be a good death and what wouldn't, you know. And like when he's chasing Bruno, he's like, "This would be a stupid death." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that. He's like, in his old lady outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine the end of Batman, Batman and he's chasing yeah. swastika boobs? Yeah. Billionaire Bruce Wayne was caught cross-dressing as a 90-year-old woman. Oh, man. <laughs> he survived by his 90-year-old butler. Who had no comment. <laughs> the most important part of this scene is actually setting up the introduction of the other DC icon that enters the story, which is Superman. I love how Miller introduces him. He he doesn't just slap you in the face and show you Superman up front. You know, he makes it suspenseful and dramatic, first with the stopping the subway train that was going to run over somebody, mm. and then you hear the rumble. Scott, how does that rumble sound? Come on, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> 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 Sounds like Scott's stomach after eating some barbecue. And then we got, it's actually Superman that uh, stops Bruno, and Batman is pissed off about it. That's what I love, man. He's like, man, get out of my fucking way. Yeah. He says, I'm busy tonight. You just costed me hours. Yeah. Ruining my yeah. life. That's how badass Batman is. He's telling the most 
powerful being known to man. <laughs> you fucking ruined my night. Yeah, come take off, bro. Yeah, take off, hoser. It's like who cares? You took her out. Now he doesn't get to interrogate her and stuff. Yeah. I love that. Well, after he's done with that, you know, he this is the first time you you hear him getting on Carrie Kelly's ass. Like, you know, he's brought her on to be his sidekick, but you can tell that she's real raw and. Obviously, he hasn't had enough time to really train her, and he's like telling her, you know, my orders were specific. I told you to stay out of sight. Next time you're fired. I love that. He t- like turns into Donald Trump for a second. <laughs> you're fired. Uh, you're fired. <laughs> and then we get that beautiful splash page, which has become yeah. like, you know, iconic with this story where they're leaping from one building to the next. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's a very iconic image of Batman. Big muscular ball of anger and gray and slate blue and black right over a vibrant green and yellow Carrie Kelly with um, hair waving everywhere and hey Wes do you because um you weren't on the first episode do you have any uh you have a message for all the Carrie Kelly haters out there well fuck you <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty straightforward per- I think perfect so. <laughs> you think well no but she. What? She's a I thought he was going to be like, look, man, it. you know, every Robin yeah. gets their chance, and you got to give it. Wes is just like, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> no, but, that was yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, she's not my most favorite Robin either, but she's still awesome. Mm, you know, yeah. no Cassandra gets the job but... done. Oh, Cassandra came, <laughs> boy. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> she's not a fighter. She's more of a, like a, she's almost like an Oracle type. Yeah, you know. Speaking of which, yeah, on the matter, I would. I would love to see Frank Miller ever have Cassandra Kane, like even in Master Race or something. If somehow she was in the universe at the time, I'd love to see his take on her. Oh man, he would have her killing wholesale, boy. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So well, talking about well, the Joker, this this is the part of the story where we actually start seeing more and more of the Joker. And you can see where he's sitting there in bed. He's just thinking about Batman and like a kid waiting for Christmas morning, right? Yeah. His doctor set him up for an interview on the uh, Dave Endocrine show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like David, David Letterman. Letterman. Yeah. Even has Which the... was awesome having Conan O'Brien in the movie voicing. That was cool. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Not you guys thinking about a stupid looking Clark Kent. <laughs> when he first shows up, yeah, he's like, he looks like such a dick. <laughs> he got some heels on his boots and shit. <laughs> it's like yeah. rocking some straight out of the eighties, man. <laughs> Went with his, uh, his, his, like his first appearance in the story. You mean? Yeah, yeah. I think first you know it's so fucking name. awesome, dude. Honestly, though, if you're a Superman fan, you probably fucking love that. Like you love that shit. Look at him. He looks like Fabio, dude. That's what he looks yeah. like. Like he's just got his shirt all right. unbuttoned down. He's like got his yeah. He's got the Captain Morgan stance going. There's a fucking butterfly flying yeah. around him. You know what's and the, the eagle flies in front of him. What's fucking awesome is that um, my buddy I, I showed him the animated uh, film for the first time, <clears throat> and in the animated film I can't remember if uh, Clark holds his, if Clark holds his hand out or if the eagle lands on his shoulder. But either way, it's just like that that scene happens. He's standing there like that. The eagle swoops in and lands on him. My friend goes, what the fuck? 
<laughs> it's like yeah. almost comedic. It's almost comedic how fucking heroic and like how Fabio-esque he looks, you know? How Dr. Right. Doolittle with the uh, animal coming to him. Yeah. Just, well, they, yeah. I'm just sitting here. I'm just thinking about this scene, you know? Obviously, they've been horseback riding together. Right. And I'm like, I'm just trying to picture in my mind Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne just taking a leisurely horse ride together, going down a path. And Superman is like, hey, man, I can fly. I don't need this horse. What? I think that image, Frank wanted uh, Clark <laughs> to contrast Bruce or Batman as much as possible. So oh, absolutely. Definitely. You know, and, like, and in every about, way possible. Yeah, I'm like making him look like the all-American hero. Yeah, and know, he's out Boy during Scout. the day instead of night. There's a big butterfly instead of a dark bat. And there's all smiles and, you know, uh, and then there's just an old pissed off Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Making fun of him. <laughs> and then we have... Get uh, your foot off my rock. <laughs> and then we, we get a sense again how Superman, he's basically just the pawn of the U.S. government, even though the U.S. government denies any existence of Superman are actually, you know, stating that he's their ultimate weapon. You know, you've got Ronald Reagan again, you know, calling him into action. Which, you know, Superman fans hated how he's portrayed in this too, but it's still pretty classic Superman. I mean, he's He's a shill, bro. He's a corporate shill. He's really smart and everything, but he's always going to do the perceived right. Not what's necessarily really right, (laughs) but... You know, what the perceived right would be in this case, doing whatever the government tells him to do. I love how Bruce basically just calls him a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he says, You're nobody can make you do anything you don't want to, Clark. These aren't the old days, Bruce. You know, blah, blah, blah. Jason Statham once said in an interview, do you prefer Batman or do you prefer Superman? And he said Batman. And when they asked him why, he said, because Superman's a bitch. <laughs> and he, even in this conversation right here it pretty much sets up that there's going to be a final showdown and, and Bruce knows it and he's ready for it so next we have uh, Joker getting ready for his big premiere on the Dave Endicron show this was a pretty fun part of the book yeah, and I love how like Miller used David Bowie for like the Joker um, uh, how Bowie was in the 80s for the design of the Joker in the book I thought that was interesting too Mm, Bowie. Yeah. I love Batman like when he, he's swooping out of the helicopter and he's coming down on the top of the building. He's just basically using a cape like a parachute. Yeah, that's badass. And we have a, a fight scene. He drew those buildings really well too. Yeah, he did. I think a lot of that has to do with Klaus Jansen. Probably, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we get our first glimpse of, you know, the newly appointed Commissioner Yindel, how she's very anti Batman. She's another strong female character that, that Frank Miller put in this story. And a lot of people, they say what they want about Frank Miller. He always seems to have strong female characters. I mean, what do you guys think about that? She, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I thought even this book, she came close to, like, getting Batman a few times. I mean, uh, you know, because people always downplay his use of women, like what he did to Catwoman and, and stuff like that. But I thought she was actually a really strong uh, female character and in many ways a lot, like, tougher than Gordon was even. Uh, well, so she's like really, a young Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, like, it, it, during this fight scene, I mean, everything she's saying, it's with a command role, like, you know, uh, rush him, and then like, the cops are saying, rush him? He's twice <laughs> your age, boy. Find nerve. And she, you know, ordering the helicopter to come down to blow that shit away, the referring to the smoke. 
Scott, give us your best Commissioner Yindel impression. I can't do a frog, man. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Flawless. That was great. That was amazing. No, I thought that was a cool scene. Batman's all fighting the cops in the smoke, kicking their ass. I I love that one panel where it's like a close-up of Batman coming out of the smoke, and he's punching that cop in the face, and his uh, riot shield for his helmet's shattering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's badass. Jesus. And then you got Joker. He's making his grand entrance at the same time at the Dave Endocrine show. And, you know, Paul is like, he's a kook, Dave, a maniac, a real lunatic. No, I mean it. He's a nut. And Joker's <laughs> just looking at everybody going, I'm going to kill all you motherfuckers. <laughs> he already knows. I love uh, they have basically, what was that lady's name uh, back in the 80s? Dr. Ruth. The, the sex doctor? Yeah, yeah, the sex therapist. The, the really old one? Yeah, yeah. I just remember, you know, she was like really popular at that time for like the promotion of, you know, safe sex and stuff like that. And when you're a teenager coming of age, you get this this old lady trying to tell you about birth control. And I'm like, and jerking off too. She was big on jerking off. Yeah. (laughs) She figured it would reduce the amount of teen pregnancies. So you got Joker kissing her and with, you know, his toxic. Lipstick, and she's like going, Zaxon, 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 Zaxon. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, can we can we go back a few frames to that floating doll that crashes through the window? Oh yeah, yeah. Little Creepy. Bobby. Yeah. Creepy <laughs> as hell. Another Dennis the Menace looking uh, figure in this. In this. I book. fucking love it when he's riding on him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a flying robot. He's a flying robot. <laughs> Flying doll that crashes through the window and unleashes uh, Joker gas. That's Joker gas, Joker toxin. Joker toxin. That's crazy. He <laughs> farts Joker gas. Form. Everyone goes nuts. Look at yeah. look at that 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 uh, panel where the Joker is sitting on the on the robot and he's flying across. Look at every fucking face in the crowd is just cackling. That shit is creepy as fuck. Yeah, that that's, he drew that really good. That's really a great good. Joker. Yeah, dude. That's like. You look at that and you go, "What? I, I, honestly, has he ever killed that many people at the same time, at once? Look at how many heads are in that picture, in that panel. And he told them that he was going to kill each and every single one of them as Cold well. Cold-blooded. Yeah. Yeah. Babe Ruth calling his shot. <laughs> <laughs> Next page is uh, another nice one for Superman fans where he's holding up the yeah. bat tank. This image right here, it shows you know the, the armed forces working along with Superman. This could be kind of seen as a little, a little bit of a nod, not only with... Uh, Red Sun Superman, but to that that image in Batman vs Superman where they're kind of wearing his emblem, that like that Superman army he's got. Oh in, yeah, in yeah. That scene, um, mm-hmm. and he's kind of in in this one. You can see the silhouettes of the of the soldiers, and all you see are their stripes on their arms and on their uh, helmets. Pretty badass. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, even if even if you're a Superman fan, man, you can enjoy this. Like, it shows fucking Superman huge as shit. You know. Mm. Yeah, and they shouldn't be so upset either because, I mean, Miller said that in Master Race, like, people are going to love Superman. He said that he's got, like, a really awesome role in uh, Master Race. So. Yeah. Yeah. He said that. yeah, he wears a dog collar. Bruce takes him for a walk. <laughs> 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 really nice role he's got in for him. You know, how much does Joker hate Catwoman? Like, okay, let's let's look at the landscape of, you know, the history of the relationship between Batman and Catwoman. Um, like, I think you, it really kind of, when was it where Batman like reveals himself finally to her and he tells her who he is? It's at some point before Hush, right? 
Uh, he actually reveals himself firstly to her in Hush, uh, in, Hush? in that continuity. Yeah, he, he first reveals himself and takes her into the cave and all that stuff. You know, if you shimmy uh, The Dark Knight Returns and kind of put it in the actual timeline that it's in, where this is one of the later stories in Batman's career, and you kind of use <clears throat> the other... If you if you make this canon, which you know people argue back and forth that it is, it isn't, whatever, let's pretend it is. Let's pretend this is canon along with everything else. But Batman obviously has an on-again, off-again, like, love with Catwoman. And in a way, aside from, like, Alfred, um, he has never been, like, as close to or as intimate with anyone except for her, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, in a way, she's, like, his closest, like, the the closest anyone will ever come to him. And I think if you even look back a little bit, maybe if you want to include uh, um, some of the Scott Snyder stuff, Joker would fucking hate that. Because if if it's anything, Joker wants to be the most intimate person to Batman. He wants to be the one that knows him better than anyone. And if there's anybody else who claims that they do, he wants to prove him wrong and probably fucking kill him in the process. You know. Well, that's yeah. that's a good reason for Batman not to like let her too close because he knows that maybe Joker would go after her. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's not maybe not yeah. so much because. I, the way I would see it is the caution wouldn't necessarily be from Joker finding out and trying to hurt Batman by killing her because he knows he loves her. I think it would come from like a, a selfish place where it's like, I, he's fucking mine. He is mine to play with. He's mine to, to manipulate. He's mine to torture. Like who the fuck do you think you are? You know? Mm. Right. And, and kind of like death of the family where he wants to take out you know, the bad family, dark Knight returns, Joker, obsessive you know he's uh homicidal wants to kill batman fucking hates him but at the same time loves what he's doing to him i never noticed or i just Mm -hmm. didn't remember from reading it long ago in the box set they have of course batman an extra utility belt on his leg for the figure and i always thought they just randomly gave joker a black pinstripe suit but he's actually wearing it in these panels yeah i I never paid any attention to that before Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he's he's not wearing it um yeah later on Motherfucker did a, a fucking uh, wardrobe change. Just to go see Selena, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, oh, you know what, because... It's like he's an Italian mobster here. He got, yeah. yeah, he, with his mood, also changes his attire. Right, yeah. Yeah, and you I know never what, paid any um, attention to that before. What's what's also interesting is that, super, super influenced by it, um, Batman 89, um, that that Joker kind of does something similar, where he right. wears... You know, he does kind of, not so much, but when he's getting all dolled up, he's got that beret and he's got that look for uh, Vicky Vale. So it's kind yeah. of a nice little, it's a nice little thing that I never noticed that either. Yeah, I never paid any attention to it at all. It's pretty cool. The bat cycle that he's got in the next panel over in the next page with the, uh, what's that, the sidecar? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty badass where he just obviously you yeah. know, does that thing off. Then we get to uh, another disguise that Bruce Wayne uses to get, some intel. Yeah. yeah, this is cool. Selena Kyle's escort kissed the congressman and got him all crazy on with Joker's uh toxic lipstick, and uh, he jumps off, commits suicide, and he's street pizza, and he's laying there naked. And Batman walks up and gets some intel. He's like, "Oh, Hallaharan, six precinct, what we got?" And blah blah blah. <laughs> Love that. So yeah, cool scene with the uh, the motorcycle and sidecar with Bruce in the uh, detective uh, disguise with Carrie on the side. Then, I love uh, the fact that he dressed up as a detective too. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that when he's pulling the mask off, 
in that bottom center panel, the mask has teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Attention to detail. And, uh, Superman's still the, at war. Right? The next sequence is uh, basically him tracking down and uh, fighting the Joker, right? Yeah, first, uh, you know, he finds Selina all beat up. In a Wonder and, uh, Woman costume. Yeah, and it a little confusing to me why Joker had her dressed up as a Wonder Woman suit. <laughs> Poke fun of her. This I'll, fat uh, bitch could never be Wonder Woman. <laughs> but why, what, why, uh, why do you think he, he did that instead of putting her in her Catwoman suit? Uh, who who um, knows what uh, kind of relationship Bruce has had with Diana well, in this Well, uh, that's true, yeah, because yeah, Bruce was uh, intimate with Diana. It could kind of be like him saying, uh, you know, uh, kind of like playing on Selena because maybe she knew that Bruce fucked around with Diana or something. <laughs> maybe yeah. it's like throwing it in her face or something. And, and, so, and just showing showing Batman the, how much he knows. Yeah, that, that's uh, a good about, about his life, about what he does. Yeah. Man, Bruce Wayne's the man, or I should say Batman. He got Catwoman, Wonder Woman, Black Zatanna. Talia. 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 He laid Canary on the street in All-Star. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> He's it's like, don't tell Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell him, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think she says don't tell Oliver. He's like, I don't give a <laughs> call, call him right now and tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell him to stop stealing my style on TV. <laughs> uh, yeah. He can have Rachel Gould. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a, you know, Batman kisses Selena goodbye, basically showing that he still cares for her. Yeah. And then uh, this him and Carrie, awesome. yeah, him and Carrie are trying to get away from the police and. They just jump out the window and grab this big bat wing glider. Glider. I like how it's starting to show up in the background, like when they're in the building and you can see it right outside of the glass. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and they jump out and they grab. I've been wondering if that glider comes out of the the bat cycle. Because if you look at the front of the bat cycle in that shot where he's... uh, it does. Where it shows him turning the corner, it yeah. has the same face that the the center of the glider has. I that love how bad. love how bats straps himself to the glider with that harness, and then holds carry. That's pretty cool, like mm. the design of it. And his glider and the tank and the chopper are all very like, military, but. Just right, just enough. Not too much where it doesn't feel too much like Batman, but enough to feel like it has that kind of military power that he's using. Like, you know, Bruce at this point in his life and career is like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going full force, whole hog, you know, at war with this Gotham. And it's all good until the strap snaps and uh, <laughs> Carrie almost uh, takes the the fast way down back to the first floor. Part of what makes this story just amazing to me is, I mean, you could just look at the panels and kind of tell what's going on, but it's almost like the inner dialogue that it's almost like you're reading, you know, the narration of Batman himself, the narration that he gives, it all, it just takes us to another level. I mean, as they're jumping out the window, it's like he's having a conversation with Jim Gordon because he says, 
You tried to warn me, Jim, so many times. You told me that I break too many important rules, that I've done too many of the wrong, uh, that I've made too many of the wrong enemies, that for all my tricks, I've been getting by on luck. It's all a game of odds, and you said all it will take is one bullet. And you got the cops in the background shooting at him, and he understands, you know, they could hit him and kill him right there with just one bullet. I never noticed it, but that must have been a bullet that broke the strap on Carrie yeah. Kelly. And then could be, yeah. yeah. In the next page, I mean, you, you can even see, like, well, eventually when, you know, Carrie Kelly grabs the cape and then Batman's pulling her up, that page where she find where he finally has her in his arms, he kind of has that worried, worried look on his face. The panel before he says, "Good soldier," like yeah, like he yeah, realizes, like, man, she about she like about died. I yeah. completely agree with you uh, on that too, Gramps. I always thought that Frank Miller, uh, that was one thing he does better than anybody is how he does like his narration writing or like how he does. Batman's thought process, I guess you'd say. Like, anytime Batman's kind of talking to himself or thinking or something, like, it feels completely like what you would think, you know, how his mind would work or whatever. Uh, so I always thought that, like, nobody compares to Frank Miller whenever it comes to, like, the narration writing and stuff. It's amazing. Carrie Kelly figures out where Joker's going to head to next, and it's the, the Gotham City Fair. She's like, all my friends are going to be there. So they hightail it to the fair, and you got you've got Joker and Dollmaker in this free cotton candy stand. Obviously, it's poison, so it's a real shitbag move on Joker's part, killing some kids. Ruthless, ruthless. Boy Scouts, they're Boy Scouts. Yeah, they're Boy yeah. Scouts. Yeah. So he was really trying hard in this to get Batman to finally cross the line. Yeah. The one panel. Joker and Dollmaker are standing there, and you got little Bobby the Bomb. He's saying, piss off. <laughs> Shags. <laughs> oh, man, love it. So you got Batman and Robin flying in on the big Batwing. Joker's sitting there, and he, he's looking up, and he's got this grin on his face because he's like, darling. The person he wanted to see the most, you know. And then you got this yeah. awesome splash page where they're jumping down. I mean, I love that image right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Batman and Robin taking on Joker. And this is where, even though it's a grapnel gun, you've got Batman using a gun again. You know, um, that's brilliant because Frank Miller figured out how to have Batman use a gun without using a firearm. Right. And uh, he was able to use those images of Batman with a gun, but not use a gun. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty clever. He, yeah, he, I guess he did know that little point that he couldn't cross but stand right on top of. That was pretty right, cool. right. Well, I mean, he, he wanted to purposely destroy every pretense that DC and that the readers had of this character and really show that, you know what, he's got to be, he's got to be badder, he's got to be harder, he's got to be harsher to, he's gotta to be get crazy. the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, and I mean, coming back at the age he was at, too, like, it was realistic for him to be using, like, when he uses the rifle to shoot the line across the buildings, you know, like, when he was younger, he would have the strength to, like, scale the building or use his grapnel gun or something like that, but now he's having to use, like, a tightrope because he doesn't have the strength to climb it, you know, and 
stuff out there. Yeah, you, you see it as early you see it as early as his first uh, mission back in the costume when he struggles just to climb up a rope. Right, right. Uh, in, yeah. in that uh, mm-hmm. in that wrecked building. So yeah, he has to resort to to more extreme uh, more extreme methods to get the same job done that he could have when he was younger. Right. This sets up the final confrontation between Batman and Joker, and uh, Joker's running. Around, I mean, he's just randomly shooting people. I mean, it just shows you how evil this guy is. You know, and, I know it's fucked up to bring it up, but this is like kind of what's currently happening in parts of the world where it's like just chaotic, extreme terrorism, just fucking frightening shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, ran, yep. Random mass murder. Yeah, at a fucking through. carnival where people are out enjoying themselves. Trying, You know, no one expects shit to happen there. You yeah. know, just having fun, probably with your family, walking around. Boom, boom, boom. You just see people start getting fucking shot like left and right. That's that what I is- try to tell people. In, in a way, if you really think about it, the, the Joker and Harley Quinn are... In a sense, terrorists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And you have Batman saying, "No, Joker, you're playing the wrong game, the old game. So now you're taking no hostages." Right there, that those two panels, I'm like, "Oh shit." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Tonight, I'm taking no prisoners." He's like, "Oh man, it's going down." Yeah. Yeah. They they run into the House of Mirrors. Joker gets his shots in. You know he. It looks like he shoots Batman in the face, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what I love. He's like using the mirrors to mess with Joker in the fun house. I love that. <laughs> uh, another scene that translates well in the animated adaptation. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. They did that scene amazing in that. I love how Joker says, this is too weird, while he's running out. <laughs> and you got this little kid going, Batman, you got to kick his. And Batman's like... <laughs> Watch your language, son. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Now we got Joker running into the ho- the tunnel of love, which is just so perfect for for it these is. two characters, man. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Because in a way, I mean, Miller kind of presents Joker almost, I mean, I don't want to say homosexual, but he, he has a real deep yeah. fascination and love for Batman. Like a crazy book. ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And so Batman, he's chasing after him, and, you know, he, he's feeling the, one, he's been kind of shot in the ribs, so he's he's wounded. But um, he's making a vow to himself that these are the last people that he's going to kill. So you kind of get the sense that Batman may be ready to cross that line that he swore he'd never do. Yeah, he's like saying where he's bleeding out and he's got to finish him quick. And With with all this, uh, you know, um, I really recommend for anyone who hasn't at this point, obviously read the read, read the Dark Knight Returns, but right after, go and watch the animated film. Yeah. Um, because this is my favorite scene in possibly any animated film. Um, the scene I completely where, agree. Where he chases them down and they're in, they're in the tunnel at the very end. And, you know, it's like... It, the, it's coming to a breaking point where the thing too is um, the music. The, the music. Score. I was about to say the score is yeah, so good. The score by uh, Chris. Uh, what's his name? Your friend Tom. <laughs> my, my Christopher buddy. Drake. Christopher Drake. Yeah, Christopher Drake. Uh, Drake the, did the score. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the music at this point is so eerie and creepy and scary. It's just it's so perfect for this like 
this whole scene of you know how messed up he is. And do you guys uh, did you guys recognize the voice who voices uh, the Joker? Oh uh, yeah, uh, the guy, guy from, from uh, Lost. Yeah, yeah, it's Ben, the most evil fucking dude from Lost. <laughs> yeah. So perfect. And uh, yeah. if if you're gonna go out and buy the uh, the animated uh, adaptation of this, get the deluxe edition. Oh, uh, yeah. It it combines the the two parts that came out individually into one movie uh, without uh, without a break for credits, and it, it just flows through uh, through one uh, continuous piece. We got Batman. He's he's caught up to Joker. This is where it really gets crazy. And, uh, you know, especially in the animated movie, because you have them going toe to toe and Joker's just going yeah. right at him with that knife right in the stomach. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They got that so good in the movie with like him stabbing him in the chest while he's holding him. It's like cringe inducing kind of. Joker's got a battering in his eye and then you got. He doesn't care. And doesn't care. And Batman's going for the neck, snaps his neck almost to the point where it kills him but it doesn't it's almost like batman he had him and he just couldn't do it what do you guys think about that i thought that was uh definitely interesting uh with how miller did it without crossing the line of batman killing him but it was the perfect way to put an end to him forever without crossing the line completely uh he he you know knows just how to apply just enough pressure to to twist his neck, to put him in paralysis, to where, you know, and once you're in paralysis, you know, you're done. He's he's not worrying about him killing anybody or doing anything anymore. And uh, I thought that was pretty creative of Miller because with how pissed off Batman was, you definitely felt like he was going to do something that he would have never done before. But, you know, you still were like, oh, God, I don't know if I want him to kill him, you know, to cross that line. And that was kind of like the perfect way to do it, I felt. Yeah, it's almost like he left it to be like the last way that Joker could torment Batman, especially with the condescending, you know, things that he says at the end where he's just like, they'll never know that you didn't have the nerve. I'll right, see right. Hell. And yeah, and everybody will believe, uh, you know, that he killed him. And, and uh, I love the I'll see you in, <laughs> I'll see you in hell part. Well, it shows you that. Joker was planning this all along. Like he had yeah. a death wish and he wanted to set it up so... He didn't right. want to kill Batman, but he really wanted to <laughs> right, hurt him. Cause... Almost like he wanted to he wanted to tear down his legacy in a way. Yeah, I kind of got that because, like, from the beginning of the book, that's that's what I was thinking, and it and it made sense when it summed up in this ending here. Like, Joker was, you know, like excited and like elated that Batman had come back, and he never thought he would, and he was kind of like, you know. Uh, dormant not doing anything just silent and when batman came back i think joker kind of was like this is my last shot to finally win and get him to go over the line because he's old he's not going to last much longer i've got to go all out and i think that's why he killed all these people in the audience and then on top of killing the kids because he just knew that would go right through batman and and uh, would get him you know as close as possible to crossing the line finally because Joker's ultimate victory is always going to be, he believes, getting Batman across that line and kill like him. Because for him, it's not about killing Batman. He doesn't want that. He wants to, like he says in the Nolan trilogy, you know, bring him down to his level. You know, and so mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's uh, 
really great. He did a really great job with Joker and Batman's relationship in this for sure. And uh, it's a, it's a similar narrative to Joker's goal in Killing Joke. Uh, you know, trying to to show with Gordon what uh, what one bad day can uh, can do to make someone uh, break. Right, that's a good point. So our final scene is you know Batman laying there next to a dead Joker, and he knows that the cops are closing in on him, and he says whatever in him rustles and leaves. The sirens echo through the tunnel. The world is growing dark and cold, and that concludes book three, Hunt the Dark Knight. Ooh. That's just a creepy-ass fucking-looking Joker, you know, that Joker right there. He still has the big smile, battering still in the eyeball. Almost looks skeletal, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and... uh... That's what I was going to say, you know, going to, which, of course, it doesn't start to right at the beginning of Chapter 4 in this, but yet again, citing the animated movie, they did amazing, too, with, like, when Joker's body's burning in the animated movie after he, you know, uh, is dead and stuff with the creepy smile on his face and everything. That's uh, That was badass, too. Mm-hmm. Beginning to get the idea, Clark. This is the end for both of us. We could have changed the world. Now, look at us. I've become a political liability, and you, you're a joke. I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in your most private moments. I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. Frank Miller, The Dark Knight Returns. That leads us right into book four, The Dark Knight Falls. Just just the title alone, I mean, shows you where Miller's going with this story. It can't end well. You you know it's obviously going to be a, a tragedy almost in a way. So we start again with, you know, the cops outside the Tunnel of Love, and they're going in to, to get Batman, and they find the Joker's body. Obviously, Batman set a trap. I love where he, he says, I waste one second with a goodbye and spits <laughs> a loogie right on Joker's face. Yeah, that's badass. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> so... Batman's trying to get the hell out of uh, the tunnel of love and sets up some explosives. And, Wait, um, the body was rigged, so he set the body on fire? Joker's body? Yeah. He, yeah. he rigged it with yeah. like thermite or something, didn't he? Or do you... I was kind of thinking that uh, it could have also been just something... that We've seen a few times in the past where uh, whatever continuity it's been where when Joker dies, you know, he has something set up in his body to, to take one last victim. That's true, yeah. Oh. Well, I noticed in the captions in this, I didn't know, like, it has Batman saying, the incendiaries are in place, the enemy is seconds away, and I was thinking he, like, set that up to when the cops got there to give him time to get out of there. Like, whenever they went to check Joker's body, he'd light up, and then that would give, you know, Batman a chance to escape while they were dealing with the fire and everything. Yeah, I, I just always kind of wrestled with that bit uh, on whether or not he would have intentionally uh, put them in harm's way. But I guess, you know, with it just being fire, they are amidst water. So, 
Right. No right. one necessarily has to burn to death. All they have to do <laughs> is lay down. <laughs> Batman's trying to call Robin, you know, because he he's in bad shape at this point. Batman gets his shot in at Commissioner Yindel, punches yeah. him right in the face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty Takes brutal if you think about it. I mean, that yeah. that's almost like in these days, that's offensive in a way. Oh, Batman shouldn't be hit, hitting a woman. You know, that's in today's <laughs> society where everything has to be politically correct. That's pretty borderline. You know, what, what would you do if someone's pointing a gun at you? <laughs> Batman's policy is you act like a man, I'm going to treat you like a man. Well, I mean, (laughs) Frank Miller wrote him like Dirty Harry. That's who he loves. Oh, yeah, totally. That's a very Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I mean, that's a very Dirty Harry move. Yeah. (laughs) He breaks her glasses. (laughs) Cute. Cute gone. I threw three batter eggs or 145. (laughs) So. You feel lucky? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Actually, the next panel over, Batman, he, like, takes one last look at the Joker, and he's, he, even there he's saying... There's lots of sound effects. What do they say, Scott? Yeah, do it, Scott. Uh, what, cute gun? <laughs> well, the next Helicopter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> he's, he's like that guy from Police Academy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting ready. What's going on I love here? how Batman has this helicopter that has, like, a cloaking device. <laughs> he's got this helicopter that has a cloaking device just come out of the middle of nowhere so Carrie Kelly's on top of the roller coaster tracks with Swatch trying to get her she falls off after being shot at and lands on that giant landing tire for for the back copter right yeah, yeah. Right. right below it there's like a channel 2 news helicopter is that what that is or yeah, yeah there's like yeah. a, heli- a news helicopter yeah, that's pretty cool. Very cinematic. Love all these action scenes, like one after the other. Um, and when you turn the page, you've got, you've got all these SWAT guys laying around because obviously <laughs> Batman's kind of blown up the inside of the Tunnel of Love. It kind of shows you, okay, obviously Dark Knight Returns was written first, but he has almost the same scene in year, year one. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how he's always going at SWAT because, you know... How the fuck did you get out of a situation with SWAT surrounding you, you know? Right, Only right. Batman could do that. Yeah. yeah. Something else Christopher Nolan used in The Dark Knight, I might add. Yeah, Thank he definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Kelly rescues Batman using the Bat helicopter. First, he uses a missile to blow up a cop car. So Batman will use artillery. Yep. <laughs> Just like Terminator in Terminator 2, where he's just shooting the uh, cop cars, but not the cops. Same thing. He live. <laughs> <laughs> Batman knows he, he came pretty close to coming to the end there. Mm. And, and once again, Carrie Kelly shows her worth. She's, the third time she bailed him out. She's, uh, she's in the clutch. She's like Catwoman in The Long Halloween. Always saving yeah. his ass. We're back in the Batcave with Alfred. Bruce ain't doing Hatching too him up. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Alfred goes, he'll live. <laughs> it's just like the I, I love the way his, uh, how massive his cape looks hanging off the the operating table. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And Sons of Batman are pretty popular in the streets now. Yep. Mutant, mutants turn Sons of Batman. Their mission is to, uh, 
The mutants are dead. The mutants are history. This is the mark of the future. Gotham City belongs to the Batman. So Batman uh-huh. has like his whole army of vigilantes following him now. Young youth. I love how they just yeah. They just change their their mantra just because they watched their leader get his ass whooped, and they're all like, "Fuck yeah, that! Let's just start doing this now." Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, I love how he did that in the book. It was kind of like really like mafia style, like uh, you know, it's like you take out the leader, and then the guy who does that is like the new head of the head of the gang or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Hmm. Well, apparently, it's only a part of the former mutants that become the sons of Batman because. The next page over still has a bunch of them locked away. Yeah, in the jail. So. Uh, yeah. Members of the mutant gang still locked up. So Superman is about to intercept the nuke in his chest? Sounds yeah, like a good to idea. Stop it. Yeah, like trying to catch it. All right. So this is launched from the Soviet Union towards America? Yeah, yeah. The Soviets have launched it uh, towards America. Right. Uh, and he's uh, trying to stop it. It's got him like saying 20 million will die if I'm weak. Right. Uh, See, you would never see Canada launching something off like that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would. They would launch uh, like Canada, three, Canada, fifty Canada. gallons of uh, Tim Hortons a coffee. snowball. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch and of apologies. Would be I mean, by an apology. <laughs> Superman intercepts this nuke, and he try. I think he tries to raise it above that stratosphere or something. It blows up, and then it sends a pulse throughout the globe, which disrupts. Uh, electricity yeah yeah we and, get our first pretty much our first reference of what an emp is right yeah and it fries superman and pretty much yeah. like zaps him he's like pretty much like lost a lot of his power from mm. the explosion yeah. the radiation and, yeah, and uh and uh, the smoke uh and everything just blotting out the sun yeah, yeah. i love how bruce is just laying there and Wayne Manor recovering, and then everything goes off. And Bruce knows exactly what happened and just talks to himself in his head. He goes, Clark, you idiot. <laughs> 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 you let them do it. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, so, that's such a, a typical Batman line. So a still recovering Batman suits up again with Carrie because they know that uh, they're going to have work to do being that there's no electricity, right? Right. Yeah, he knows that, you know, basically all hell's about to break loose. Without power in the city, the mutants are going to be back on the streets, and yeah. all, all hell's going to break loose. Right, people are going to be looting and rioting. And, right, you know, and planes are going down. Yeah. And it's time to break out Seabiscuit. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of this book. Oh, yeah. diggity. Yeah. It's so cool that uh, this was in the plans for uh, the 89 movie uh, to have a scene where, yeah, to have a scene. Apparently it was in the original script, uh, but it didn't make it into the actual shooting schedule. Uh, Uh They were going to do a scene where Batman was forced to confront Joker in the middle of the city during daylight. And uh, he was going to be out on a horse. Oh, wow. But uh, the rumor was that they didn't end up uh, even planning to shoot the scene because they were aware of how bad the suit looked in daylight. Because <laughs> it I was, didn't... you know, just a, a rubber suit. And, you know, it looked good in the shadows and the dark. But, you know, just in daylight, you, you can't do much to make it... Uh, 
to hide the flaws of it. Damn, right. check check this out, man. That panel that start the two pages that start with the silhouette of the airplane in the air, and then the airplane shadow cast alongside the building, and then the next page the plane crashes into the building. Wow, being this came out in '86, I don't think Miller could have got away with it after 2001. That's yeah. true. Oh, that wow. is true. Wow, that's really intense. Wow. Yeah, he gets on the horse and stuff like that. It's almost like Miller purposely takes him back to, you know, what helped inspire Batman with Zorro. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh shit! So Gramps, we got Gotham on fire with silhouettes of water towers, huh? Yeah, love those water towers, don't we? Very d- d- Daredevil-esque. Oh, that's right, man. Yeah, you know, see Vernon on the rooftop over there. <laughs> oh, no, Turk, I mean. <laughs> Turk. Turk's one of the looters. So we got uh, Batman talking to the sons of Batman, and he's basically laying down the rules. He, epic part where he breaks their rifle in half and says, this is the enemy of the weapon, or the weapon of the enemy. We do not need it. We'll, we will not use it. And he throws up his batarangs and he goes, our weapons are quiet, precise. Tonight, we are the law. Mm. Tonight, I am the law. Yeah. You got definitely one of the best Batman defeated like, oh shit. I also like when he says, yeah. in time I will teach them to you. Tonight, you will rely on your fists and your brains. And this part, like I loved it in the uh, animation um the film the adaptation of that it's just so it feels like um braveheart, braveheart. Yep. yeah and i feel like braveheart stole this from frank miller by the way because yeah. braveheart came out after this <laughs> yeah even got their faces painted and shit oh in blue <laughs> oh. yeah uh-huh fucking hey everyone stole from frank miller <laughs> 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 Oh man, you cut <laughs> cut to the next page, and uh, that's a great silhouette of Batman riding that horse, boy. Yeah, yeah, that's badass. So yeah, so they're fucking riding into a po- a powerless Gotham. When I say powerless, I mean no electricity, just chaos, and uh, they're just um, taking it taking it over, being the law, stopping the whoever's left of the mutants from rioting and looting. And what's interesting, you've got Commissioner Yendel sitting there with a bandage over her nose watching all this go down while Batman and his crew are stopping the looters and she's realizing that he's just too big there's mm. I can't he's just a force that can't be reckoned with I, I'm gonna need to just get out of his way he really is a legend oh, and you got Gordon trying to get to his his wife here's another daredevil reference where you've got a nun <clears throat> helping to you know provide water to put out a fire mm. Mm. Right, yeah. which in daredevil his mother is a nun so that's mm. the reference there i love mm. the colors that we go into as well while superman is just totally fucked from taking that uh yeah. nuke to the chest <laughs> <laughs> i like the uh half page panel with uh with clark getting hit by the lightning yeah and- it feels a lot like the cover of the first book with yeah. uh, Bat- Batman's silhouette in front of the lightning strike. Yeah. Right. And now here again, we've got that lightning strike again and just smoking Superman. I love how you get this story of this asshole who 
basically he was part of the uh, crowd that was pillaging and and stuff and he's he's telling his story to the news basically <laughs> Batman kicks his ass and puts him in a neck brace <laughs> yep <laughs> He said he he picked on, he basically says that Batman picked on him. <laughs> Maybe it was a social commentary about how everyone was trying to play victim for doing wrong back in the day, you know. Mm. Yeah, Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Then cut over again to another two pages, and you just got Batman riding that horse with uh, Carrie Kelly yeah. and. The uh, sons of Batman and former mutants just going at, just riding through town. Um, I feel like this page would have been one hell of a cover. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very Texas page. <laughs> yeah, they're all got their lasso going. It's like the rodeo. I love how pissed off Batman's horse looks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're doing all this, you know, they're kicking ass and stopping the looters and stuff like that. And I love this scene down on the lower right where it says it's got Carrie Kelly in the foreground. And then you've got the silhouette of a Batman hunched over in his saddle. Mm. And she says, it's only once in the whole night that it shows. He's given orders and all the mutants and sons of Batman and everyone are gone for a minute. He just sags in his saddle like an old man. And then he straightens up and grins at me like it's funny. He can't die. Mm. Damn. Yeah, that's a very impactful line, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, kind of like she just understands how much how, how important he is to know, Gotham, how much of a legend uh, he is. How right, much... and no matter how old or broken he is, he won't quit. Yeah. I mean, to me, this, this really shows, you know, how great the, not just the, the action and the scenes and stuff like that, but it's these little stories that happen in between all the main parts of the action that just oh, get yeah. thrown in there. It's almost like little, little sub stories that just amplify the rest of it. It's mm. uh, like uh, showing you what's happening between the panels. Yeah. I love that. And then it cuts over and um, the news says one week later, it's still dark at high noon in Gotham city. It's still winter in August because of the snow that snow's coming down due to um, the shift because of the nuke. Is that what's going on? Nuclear winter. Right. So that's why we have snow in Gotham in August. Now we get to where Oliver Queen is visiting Bruce Wayne. One arm Willie. One arm Willie. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he's he's very resentful. You know, he's got a lot of uh, hatred built up towards the the government and uh, Superman. And he basically says, you know, I know you're going to take a crack at him and I want to be involved. He says, I want a piece of him. A small piece will do for old time's sake while he's like looking at his arm. And he says, mm-hmm. it still hurts when it's cold. Yeah, I love it. When he, sa- he also says, you know, I always knew it'd come down to you and the big boy scout. Planet's too big for the two of you. I love that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got the, it says, then a blast of heat from the sky. And you've got Bruce and Carrie Kelly standing in an open field. She's learning how to ride a horse better. Mm. Yeah. And you got in big words, big letters of fire says where with a question mark mm. what's it say underneath there and it begins and it begins oh Wait shit then bruce <laughs> says crime alley so 
And that was badass, too. You wanted to fight him there. I loved that. Oof, so you know it's about to go down. I liked it, too. I, I really love that uh, where it was like, you know, where he thinks that he very possibly is going to die here and that where he, he wanted to die where his parents did and stuff. Uh, that's pretty awesome, too. And it's also, you know, a place that he's very familiar with and basically has almost the advantage. Well, that's where all his pain is. True. I like the shot of him suiting up here, and you can see the helmet for the armor suit uh, sitting on the table in front of him with the gloves. And you got Alfred in the background just being condescending <laughs> as ever. <laughs> Bloody walking hospital bed. <laughs> He's like, that's enough. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got this cool scene where he says, this one you won't believe, Clark. My best trick. And he's you can see him reaching in gloves and with this green glow. So you know he's been planning something for well over ten years. Superman's flying in with the army helicopters. That's pretty badass. That's how that's how big of a deal Batman is. You need Superman with the armed forces. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you know he's a sellout. You've got Carrie Kelly asking, You gonna die or what? And he turns and he's like, figure I will. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of nonchalantly, you know, no big deal. And then you start seeing the plan unfold. You know, first they're going to hit Superman with the the missiles just to kind of test where his power is at after overcoming the the nuclear bomb. Yeah. And and he can tell he's not at full strength. And then you've got uh, Carrie Kelly in the... Bat tank, Batmobile, blasting him with a, a charge that says the charge could sink a battleship. <laughs> just, just, just really giving him hell. And the whole time, Batman, Batman's got a clock, watching the time yeah. because you know, he knows what's about to happen. Well, and when he's looking at at the clock, he even says, uh, after Superman gets hit with the missiles, he's like, he hits the ground on schedule, like. Right. Uh, going back to what you're saying, like he's been planning this for probably, you know, ever since he's met Superman. And you kind of get a sense that Superman, I mean, he's like really, he's really caught off guard in a way. Right. So you get Superman tearing up the tank saying, isn't tonight a school night? Like <laughs> a real, like a real nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this is cool. He's just ripping the t- a hole in the tank, and then there's Kerry Kelly pointing a slingshot at him. <laughs> <laughs> then Superman flies over to Batman, who um, has Another. that legendary armored tech suit. That uh, well, and this is and that panel. This is another you know one of those infamous panels from the whole story. Hmm. Is you know Batman in his suit standing under the lamppost, and Superman just kind of gliding down. Kind of goes back to the beginning where Bruce walks under that lamppost and the two mutant guys come yeah, at him. the same lamppost, yeah. Right, yeah, and I, I love, too, when he's, like, uh, hitting Superman and uh, uh, with a, when he shoots, like, the sonic uh, blast out of the gun and he's saying, like, a nosebleed so soon, Clark, don't drop now, the night is young, and I have so much planned. <laughs> I love that because it's like he's not even worried at all about, you know, fighting Superman. 
<laughs> I love one how... thing. One thing that I noticed, you know, pretty much just now, you know, he he's got that suit plugged into the lamppost, drawing electricity to power the suit. Right. Love that. Right. Yeah. So he's drawing power from Gotham. Right. Yeah. Symbolically. And then he says, you know, it has to end here on this filthy patch of street where my parents died. And then he shocks the shit out of <laughs> Superman. <Yeah. laughs> he grabs his face and just sends a ridiculous amount of electricity through him or whatever it is. Just juice. And, and then you he realize- clocks him right in the fucking face. Like- oh, I love that line where he says, it's way past time you learned what it means to be a man. But, yeah, <laughs> so badass. Bomb. Shows that gunshot, line. gunshot. <laughs> yeah, and it shows that line with <laughs> with uh, where you know uh, Batman saying to him, uh, "You always say yes to anyone with a badge or a flag," which you know is to me why I've always liked Batman more too. Which it draws that line where like him and Superman are both good uh, you know in a sense but like superman will sometimes do what he's told by you know the higher ups and people that he thinks doing right where batman will always do the logical good mm. or you know weighs his decisions and stuff whereas superman doesn't so much he just does what the majority wants you know yeah well, yes yeah, su- like batman... superman is the lawful good right yeah i kind of uh, think that uh batman listens to rage against the machine before he goes out and fight, he's like, fuck yeah. you, I won't do what you told me. <laughs> Badass. I love when Superman says, uh, Bruce, this is idiotic. <laughs> I always got a, a kick out of that because it's how little Batman gives a fuck. Like, he's just going at Superman and, <laughs> and not caring. Like, two titans going at it in the middle of the city. Right there, and then he kind of rips Bruce's helmet off, doesn't he? Yeah, and you see that, you know, even though he's weakened and Bruce has been giving him hell and got a good punch in, he's still up against, you know, the most powerful being. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the next one where they're fighting, this is probably one of my favorite Batman quotes ever, too. I'd have to say it's when he's, you know, punching Clark and, and saying, you know, you sold out and gave them the power that should have been ours. And he says, just like your parents taught you to. And, he says, uh, Bruce says, my parents taught me a different lesson, lying on the street, shaking in deep shock, dying for no reason at all. They showed me that the world only makes sense when you force it to. Mm. And I love that. Yeah. That's... Yeah. And he kicks him right in the nuts. <laughs> Nut shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Superman doing a low blow. <laughs> yeah. Fighting dirty. And then you got Superman. I mean, just, you know, he hits him right in the gut. You can just sense the pain <laughs> from the expression on Bruce's face and it's almost like that's enough right there to think this fight's over you know yeah. it's done yeah. but here we go yeah Bruce is just like now if Oliver doesn't screw it up <laughs> <laughs> and then you got this um, mechanism that squirts acid from Bruce's glove into Superman's face to distract him for a little while and um, just... I mean Batman's just pulling out the tricks man <laughs> yeah yeah, he's I just pulling it. out everything. It's, 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 it. it's almost like the, you know, the Three Stooges where he's poking him in the eyes and then bopping him on the head. And... A wise guy. Yeah, and he's enjoying the hell out of it too. Yeah. Now I what's that? Uh, there, there's a, a, 
a now unused sound effect in comics uh, when we see Superman catch uh, that arrow. <laughs> Fap. <laughs> you, you never see that one anymore. God, I love Oliver in this book too. He gets just shot by one of the soldiers. He's falling. He's like, "You goddamn fascist!" <laughs> <laughs> He's like a grizzled Vietnam vet. Yeah. You weren't there, man. You weren't there. I love it, man. Yeah, because they used to write Oliver or Green Air and all the books like so liberal and shit. Like, I like him when he goes, hi, old goddamn silver. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, basically, Oliver just launched a kryptonite arrow right into uh, Superman, didn't he? Sure. Yeah. Did. All planned by Batman. This is really interesting, too, that part when Batman, uh, Superman gets hit. He's feeling the effects of the kryptonite, but at the same time, he's has this concerned look on his face, not for himself, but for Bruce, and says, Bruce, your heart. And then he gets kicked in the chops. Yep. Well, I mean, it's it's important right here. You you realize what the end game is here because Bruce is saying internally, he's saying you're beginning to get the idea, Clark. This is the end for both of us. He goes, we could have changed the world. Now look at us. I've become a political liability, and you, you're a joke. And then he yeah. kicks him right on the fucking chin with those spiked armored boots, Ooh. dude. And Capullo's variant statue, or <laughs> variant cover of this oh is brutal. It's brutal. amazing. It's so amazing, man. And obviously, this is the one line that every Batman fan will always remember. It's just and every like, Superman fan hates. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to do the honors, Gramps? <laughs> I want you to remember Clark, and all the years to come, and all your most private moments. I want you to remember my hand. At your throat, I want you to remember the one man who beat you. That so badass. That is so and badass. Fuck. Then, <laughs> Lights then, out. Then yeah. Batman's heart pretty much stops, and you just lie in there while a, a very wounded Superman just looks over. I even really liked in the book, like too, like how much. Still, even though they're like at each other's throats, like still like how much respect Superman and Batman have for one another. And then like yeah. after the fight, like uh, Clark's like, you know, when they come to get Bruce's body, they're like, he's like, don't touch him. You know, I was like, that's that's pretty cool. You know, with, with the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents aside, do you guys feel this is the most important scene in, in all of the history of Batman? I, I think definitely. Oh, it's quite possible. I mean, yeah. I think we always think back to this one scene. I think that just defines Batman in every way possible. You know, the way what he says, what happens, the symbolism between him and Superman. Just uh, yeah, I mean, and that that's one of the good things about this book. Like, you could really go into this book, never have read or never have reading any Batman stuff, never have you know knowing anything about Batman at all. And this book will basically tell you everything about Batman you need to know. Like, yeah. you will know the character completely just from reading this book and what he stands for and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, um, Alfred, right? What's going on with Alfred? Well, earlier we saw that Alfred was setting, you know, a self-destruct sequence and basically blew Wayne Manor up to hide, you know, the secrets of Batman and stuff like that. And ends up having a stroke and dies himself. A fitting end for our friend 
Alfred Pennyworth. Legend. Quite sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. After all that, he uh, he dies alone. Well, yeah, it's kind of like also he sucks. He dies too, almost, thinking Bruce is dead. It's well, it's almost, almost like, like you know, um, Bruce is gone. So you know, he has a reason. His yeah. purpose is done. His yeah. service is finally finished. I always thought in this book too, like how fucking old does Alfred have to be? <laughs> I thought hey, man, that too. The British, yeah. they live forever, man. Yeah, man. He'd have to be like ninety or something. <laughs> He's still like carrying around trays and shit. <laughs> like Master Bruce, get your own shit. <laughs> yeah. So we're at Bruce Wayne's funeral, which is interesting. They have it at a cemetery instead of by his parents. Well, but, uh, know, there, there's no more Wayne Manor now, so. You know, it's just a yard now. And then you have the the, the Lola Chang from the news, t- you know, talking about repeating the, the week's top stories, the spectacular career of Batman come to an end, revealing that he was 55-year-old billionaire Bruce Wayne. You got crazy Selena going nuts at the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, going at uh, Clark Kent saying, son of a bitch, I know you killed him. <laughs> and Gordon's like, Selena, this is no good. <laughs> Gordon, IRS. one, yeah, talking about how Wayne's money and his records and all his bank accounts are basically empty. So before this fight, Bruce Wayne got rid of everything. He hid everything. Yeah, transferred every account, every stock sold to a distant cousin, and you have this one person standing in front of the headstone. Love it. Yeah. I love how she looks, like a nun almost, but like an assassin, but a nun, a nun assassin. While while Clark's walking away, and then boom, boom, you yeah. hear the, you see heartbeat. the, the heartbeat, mm. and Clark figures it out. Yeah, and just winks. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty One. cool. It's it's kind of cool because you, you still have respect for Superman in this as well. It's fun to knock him at times, but. Uh-huh. You know, you could still see that he, Superman, in his own way, does love Bruce. and Right. They only fought because they were on opposing sides, and that drove them. It almost felt like, you know, two brothers fighting. Kind of like how I used to fight with my brothers. <laughs> I mean, we used to beat the shit out of each other, mm. but we still were brothers. Right. And we still, you know, loved yeah. each other. Right. But it was well, almost I mean, like yeah, he had to send the message. Diggity's a huge Batman fan, and his brother's a huge Superman fan. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was going to say, James, by the way, Batman is way better than Superman. You can suck it. Because <laughs> I know he's going to listen to this. <laughs> and how are you going to respond? <laughs> yeah. He but, sends me texts every week of, like, <laughs> Superman beating Batman memes. <laughs> we'll suck on that. <laughs> Even when Clark's winking, it's kind of like um, typical Bruce, you know, or... You know, right when you think it, you know, Bruce is always, you know, Bruce always has that, you know, that card up his sleeve. He's always got the, you know, misdirection, like pay attention to this so you don't look at this. Typical that Batman, that Bruce would kind of, you know, fake his own death. Right. That, it, you know, finally it hit and, you know, Clark can hear the heartbeat. And as at the bottom, you know, as Bruce is talking to himself, he's like, my timing wasn't quite precise enough. But then we come up to uh, <clears throat> the final scene and one of my favorite scenes of all time where Bruce is uh, still alive. And he's he's uh, But he's in civilian attire 
with a backpack on and a cane. He has Kerry Kelly with him and the Robin outfit and and uh, some Sons of Batman <clears throat> and some mutants, just young people ready to follow the Batman. And he's just leading them through um, the old cave. How they're gonna set up shop? Robin, sit up straight. He's got and, schematics and plans in front of him. Yeah, schematics and plans, and there's this new energy in him. This is optimism in him, and. It's in, you know, he's kneeling, he's looking at, he's an old man, but he looks like he's reborn, like he's looking to the future, he's not looking to the end anymore, and he's surrounded by all of this youth, you know, ready to go and, and help him, and new energy, and, and new life. He, at this point, he no longer has any of the pressures of either being Batman or of being Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah, have so. you have you guys ever heard of that book called Batman and Psychology, A Dark and Stormy Night? <laughs> yeah, uh, Travis Langley. Yeah, I found this quote. He discusses a lot of like what's called the midlife crisis and uses Dark Knight Returns as an example of that. How you know Bruce basically suffers a midnight a midlife crisis and goes back and tries to you know relive his youth, becoming Batman again. And he puts this quote from Frank Miller in uh, in his book, and it talks about the ending here. And it says, "For me, that was a hopeful ending." He's looking forward to his next adventures after realizing the methods of the past are no longer appropriate. The book starts with Bruce Wayne contemplating suicide. At the end, he's found a reason to live. He's adjusted to the times. And that's and, Frank Miller that said that. And it could almost seem like this is very relevant even to today. And I just love how his new found sense of life and optimism is there to share it with this new youth, new Robins, new people to help Gotham. And I love how um, uh, someone was saying, uh, we haven't got all night, boy. And then in his head, he goes, and Bruce Wayne said, he goes, we have years, as many as we need, years to train and study and plan. And uh, here in the endless cave, far past the burnt remains of crime fighter of a crime fighter whose time has passed, it begins here, an army to bring sense to a world plagued by worse than thieves and murderers. This will be a good life, good enough. And then you see his face, and uh, I I always thought to myself, um, man, that's the best fucking way to end it, you know? I mean, I can think of a better way to end this, such an epic story. You didn't have to do anything more after this, even though you could... I felt like this was just a perfect, perfect way to end this book, and it was, you know, especially in the animated film. In Pack, you really feel it at the end. If you're a really hardcore Batman fan, you're like, oh man, just, you know, Bruce Wayne is unstoppable. Batman is unstoppable. You know. Oh, and real quick, if you look up at the the, the top panels on that last page, the left panel, his face, the shadow is casting casting a mask over his face, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, and I just want to go back to the uh, the quote that uh, that Gramps gave uh, from Frank Miller uh, from the Batman and Psychology book. Uh, if anyone listening hasn't uh, checked him out before, find Travis Langley. He's on uh, Twitter. He's on Facebook, and he writes a lot about the psychology of superheroes. He has a a lot of published works out, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of his stuff to read up on. You just give a chicken ball? A little bit. <laughs> We've talked about ball. having him on before. So hey, that know, guy deserves a, a chicken ball start. shout out. <laughs> of the four books that make up Dark Knight Returns, which which one is your 
favorite, if you had to pick one of the books as your favorite of the four, which one would be your favorite? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, In some ways, I have to say the first one, when when we first see him coming back, there's something satisfying about seeing him come out of retirement and put the cowl back on. The first one I love when he first goes in and he, you know, uh, when he's chasing those... um, those men into that old rundown building and uh you know he tells the cops to wait outside and like uh i always loved where he pulls the guy through the steps and he's like welcome to hell you know <laughs> that's badass <laughs> and uh then you got the joker in part three and you got uh the big superman fight at the end i i would have to say if i had to go over you know, bit by bit, what's in each one of them. Three and four are probably more around my favorite parts, and I would say if I had to absolutely narrow it down to one between the two, I I think three. I really just enjoyed the the Joker and Batman fight in the in the tunnel love and uh, the whole dynamic and what Miller did with uh, with the Joker and that. And me as a Joker fan, I think I would say that's probably my favorite part. You know, I would Scott. definitely say easily for the movies – uh, part two was definitely my favorite part of the movie too. Oh yeah, where he fights the mutant. Leader. Oh yeah, by far. Yeah, I like I like the last one. I, it's just so profound. Love that armored suit. Yeah, you it's know. got great quotes in the final part too. Yeah, it shows just how you know how much planning and how much thought that Bruce had put into. Eventually, you know, this day was going to happen. Eventually, he would have to. You know, go face to face against you know Superman. So you know he had the sonic gun, and then the you know the the little acid that would shoot out of the palm of his hand, and you know the the shock gloves. I mean, and, and the and the heart attack. Uh, you know, the premeditated yeah, that, heart attack. Well, to, then, to well, we we're when we we're reading it. I mean, uh, when, when um, he's first putting on the suit, and you you see him take a pill. When I you know first few times you know reading that. I, I never associated that with, you know, by, you know, something I didn't, you know, it didn't click. He was popping a Viagra. <laughs> yeah, right. No, he's, yeah, going a big because <laughs> he was about to go rape Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say, as far as my favorite book of the of the four, man, that's tough. Like Robin said, I I, I do love the part where I mean, it's it still to this day gets my juices flowing when you read the part where he's coming back and he's taking out the mutant people in the arcade and he's smashes the guy's hand against the window in the taxi and and then he you see the big splash page where he jumps out and onto the car of two faces uh cronies i mean that that really sends shivers up my spine but i i think probably book two is my favorite it's really where he transforms from being Batman to the Dark Knight. First, he gets his ass whooped by mutant leader, and then he just takes on a new persona where he gets even more brutal and realizes he has to change his ways and learn and be smarter to be able to overcome some of uh, someone like the mutant leader. Stronger, younger, faster. Yeah, you know, it's not just the the random. You know, street thugs or the random mutants that, you know, like in the first one, you know, he, like what Wes was saying, you know, he uh, punches through the floorboards and grabs the goon's leg and pulls him down. You know, this was uh, a much 
tougher opponent that he probably thought, oh, I can just go in there, you know, I'm going to go in there and kick his ass. Like, even that page where he jumps out of the, the tank, he's got that grin on his face like, oh, yeah, baby, you know, ass-kicking time, but he ended up getting his ass kicked. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> regret this decision. Yeah. <laughs> At that moment, Bruce knew he was fucked. All right, so let's start it off with Gramps. Out of five, how many cups of barbecue sauce do you give it? <laughs> well, all the cups. I mean, here in Texas, everything is bigger, so that's going to be five big <laughs> five cups of barbecue five, sauce. Five 10-gallon hats of barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, this, this is... This is my favorite Batman story, and you know, obviously, my Instagram account's kind of based all around oh, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight again, right? world. Sure <laughs> and it, and it, honestly, it was that was started just on a whim. Wes, uh, out of five, how many diggities you give this one, man? Uh, five diggities for five. sure. Five. Jeez. For sure, no doubt about it. S- Scott, how many um how many broken trunks do you give this one man out of five? <laughs> 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 um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the uh, same as the you know, Gramson. Five trunks. Wes, I mean you gotta give it five trunks. I mean <laughs> Robin, how many apologies do you give this uh how many, story? How many, how many Timmies? <laughs> Oh, take off your apologies. This gets five big apologies, eh? (laughs) I mean, really, you know, really well written, you know, with us, with with art that uh, that. um, uh, You're right, Scott. I can't think of the fucking word. Anyway, I love when he gets frustrated and he sounds like the Winnebago man. <laughs> <laughs> how many slices of folded New York how, pizza? How, how many pizza rats do you give it? <laughs> Five, man. I wouldn't change anything. Imagine that. I... I I wouldn't change anything about it. Okay, wait. I might change one thing. I wouldn't make Selena that fat, man. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, no offense to anyone out there. Whatever, whatever. It's just, I, I don't think Selena would age and let herself that go that much. <laughs> I could agree with that. Yeah. Well, maybe she ate some pizza. I, it's possible, or maybe, maybe just like Bruce. You know, a a long career of doing the things that she had been doing. You know, like a Bruce I, took took a big toll on his body, and maybe you know she's got bad hips or bad <laughs> knees or a bad back, and can't well, be that. And I I kind of took out of it too. I thought maybe she kind of had let herself go because she's kind of always been like in love with Bruce in a big way, and he kind of just vanished and wasn't a part of her. I felt like she was kind of like heartbroken and stuff too, and uh, and uh, I kind of got that out of it. I don't know, just thinking about Catwoman's physique throughout history, it just, it's weird to see it evolve to that, you know? Right, and, and so. even though she was a hooker in year one, she was still ripped as Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so maybe that's the only thing. And, uh, you know, he did find a way to incorporate Wonder Woman without having Wonder Woman in the story. <laughs> so, Well, uh, I hope everyone that has listened has enjoyed as much as we have, you know, Doubt talking. <laughs> no one's going to enjoy it as much <laughs> well, as us. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, hope, I hope the listeners got something out of it, uh, you know, just like how we round robin table uh, talk about it. We learn things or see other perceptions that, you know, someone else may have. I hope our listeners kind of got uh, a better understanding of the book because, you know, it is one of the most important Batman stories out there just because it, it really raised the bar as far as story writing for the character and also the character's development into a more uh, mature comic character. Game and it influenced everything afterwards. It, it, it This book is the reason why you have the 89 movie. This book is the reason why we have Batman Year One. This book is the reason why we have the Nolan trilogy. And it's the reason why we going to have Batman versus Superman movie coming out next year. And, more and a, lot of other, a lot of other comics were, were affected by it as well, not just Batman yeah. stuff. Uh, uh, other characters and other publishers, uh, writers started seeing uh, the possibilities of uh, the ways they could write comics. Yeah. yeah. And it also gave way to, you know, uh, writers being more comfortable to, to go out there and expand on on the universes and expand on the characters mythology and uh, kind of broke down some barriers. I, I feel like in writing um, and comics, um, it showed, you know, writers, they didn't have to be as afraid to, to write about certain things. And uh, I, I would definitely encourage everybody like Gramps was saying, if, if you haven't read it, definitely go out and read it. Uh, especially if you're getting into Batman, because I mean, this book will give you a great understanding of the character. So kids, if you haven't read it yet, read along with us. Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, Klaus Janssen, and Lynn Varley. One of the best Batman stories, if not the best Batman story ever told. So take us out of here, Gramps. It's Goodbye. Here. <laughs> <laughs> He's sleeping. secrets, his methods, and tools in his decades as the Batman died with him as Wayne Manor burned to the ground. The fire was apparently set by his butler, who himself died of a stroke at the scene. Every penny of Wayne's wealth, all of his accounts, and financial holdings have also disappeared. Starting now, I'm going to teach you everything. All of my ways, all of my secrets. You're going to be my army operating in the shadows, keeping Gotham safe. Heard the schoolboy found you out. It's all right. I think the message got through. As long as we stay quiet, he'll leave us alone. You gonna be all right with this? This quieter, mysterious? I spent 10 years looking for a good death. This, this'll be a good life.